mission was to win one game at a time, and once we got rolling, here we are. So. This is the SB Live Washington podcast, your twice-weekly conversation about high school sports and the people who play them across the Evergreen State. And this week, as we record this on Halloween, this is a podcast for all the high school football coordinators and coaches out there trick-or-treating with their kids in one hand and an iPad in the other hand, breaking down their newfound Week 10 opponents. I'm Andy Bueller, your host and a reporter with SB Live. The regular season is done, it's behind us, and playoffs are here. We're gonna talk about the round of 32, the new matchups that were released today at the 3A and 4A levels. And we're gonna talk about what we learned and what we saw in week nine these past couple days. The we I'm talking about is no wilted pumpkin. He's no pig pen from Charlie Brown. Instead, he's the pride and the prodigal son of Tacoma a senior reporter with SB Live, and he's your pal and mine. He's Todd Millis. How's that for a Hallow's Eve intro, Todd? So why'd you have to go right to the to the Peanuts reference? Because I'm old. You think I'm the only one that would understand that? I mean, do, do they even show Peanuts on TV anymore? I hope they do. Uh, for, for our high school listeners, um, if you guys have never seen uh, Charlie Brown, The Great Pumpkin, I, I you know, that's... Hey, like, let us let us know if you haven't seen that, because I think, you know, I would assume that that's kind of one of those things they teach, um, you know, in elementary school, just like they teach. Do they still even teach the Pledge of Allegiance or I don't know, man. I hope people are watching The Great Pumpkin because uh, because that's a that's an age old classic. Pledge of Allegiance and The Great Pumpkin in the same sentence or in the same thought. Andy, we're we're. I mean, I know it's Halloween, but you're kind of going spooky on me, pal. Uh, equally as spooky were some of the matchups we saw in week nine. Uh, how's that for a transition? We're going to talk before we get to kind of where we were and what we saw. You and I were both at games over the weekend. Uh, SB Live correspondents were all over the state this weekend in every corner. We're going to talk about these week 10 matchups here. So the regular season is now done after these week nine games. And we go on to uh, what's can be referred to as the round of 32. It's been known as the district round. Uh, we're into the postseason, and we're one week away from the state playoff committees uh, at each classification. There's six different committees, one B through four a seating uh, the state playoff fields and releasing a bracket that takes place a week from when we record this and from when you're listening to this, Sunday, November 7th. So between now and then, we've got a round of 32, and all of that was was fine and gravy. Uh, went on as normal, as it normally would. A lot of those matchups, we knew um, kind of who was going to play who based on uh, you know district setups, based on crossovers. Um, but at the 3A level, this year... Those matchups were determined by a committee of coaches and ADs uh, that met on Sunday morning over Zoom, and they ranked teams number one through 32 in 3A, and they, they, they've kind of been working on this the whole season. It's this made up of the same people as that are seeding these state playoffs in a week, and they determined determine those matchups. Top 16 seeds got home field advantage. Uh, if you were 17 through 32, you're hitting the road. Some teams are hitting the road and traveling a lot farther than other teams, and we'll, we'll sure get into that. But 
You can find all of those matchups on the site, scorebooklive.com slash Washington and the SB Live Sports app. Um, we are going to update those with dates and times as those become available. So, Todd, as, as you saw uh, these uh, quote-unquote brackets but not brackets of round of 32 games, especially at 3A, and then I should say at 4A, districts 1 through 4, so all like the west side districts, the 22 teams that, that made the state tournament also were seeded or, or were also kind of ranked and uh, matchups were determined the same way as the 3A level. Um, when you looked at those, the new matchups we learned today on Sunday, 3A and 4A, were there one or two that maybe kind of piqued your interest? What what stood out to you at first? Was there anything that kind of hit you over the head? Yeah, I mean, it's it's this is a this new era is, is a little different. I wish they would have uh, had a built-in criterion. In my, in my biggest knock on the bracket, and again, not criticizing the effort from athletic directors and, and coaches who are part of this process and will be part of the, the round of sixteen next week, is. I felt like if you were a league champion, if you survived your division and went on and beat another team in another division or survived your league and went on and won a league championship, you, you should have had a home game regardless of your seating. Now I understand that there's the three, a Wesco is a, is a league that's been up and down. I mean, Marysville Pilchuk has, has, has had um, probably the, the, the latest extended success at the state level from that league. Um, Ferndale um, obviously used to be part of the, the Northwest conference, but I'm talking about Monroe and uh, Monroe won its division last week, went and played Ferndale at Blaine. Again, a depleted Ferndale team, no Isaiah Carlson. It was a beat up Ferndale team, but they went up to Blaine and, and, and knocked off the golden Eagles and won their league. And how excited are they to wake up Sunday morning what are we going to get? What's our seating going to be? And they find out that they're going to travel to the number three team in the Pierce County League, the Lakes Lancers. Now, I'm not saying that Lakes wouldn't even be favored in that game. I probably would. But if you're a league champion, you should get a home game in the postseason. It's just that simple. I mean, that that should have been something built into the criterion, and it wasn't. And uh, that's the that's the first thing that, that caught my eye. There's some interesting matchups. I, I, I really like the – you know, the one that really piques my interest is the Auburn Riverside Kelso matchup. Auburn Riverside won the three AMPSL. You've seen Kelso. They're a pretty good football team, Andy. Um, that's, that could be a really intriguing, um, a really intriguing game um, moving forward. I, I don't even think Yum got a, uh, an easy game for being a three seed, having a really much improved Mead team driving over from Spokane to play the play, the tornadoes in the round of 32. I, I think we all agree that Meade second half of the season, much better football team under Keith stamps, kind of figuring out what he expects than they were the first half of the season. So that's, you know, that's, that's an interesting matchup that I'll be paying attention to. Um, but all in all, I look at the bracket pretty balanced. Um, I thought the committee um, in terms of just setting specific games, I thought they did a pretty good job. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that, you know, if, if there was a rule set there, uh, it, it would have only flipped a, a couple of, of teams. I think for the most part, you saw teams that won league titles, teams that we've been talking about throughout the season that have, have popped up in, in and out of our rankings. Um, you know, 
the the top 16 teams they we don't know how they ranked one through 16 but we know who was in the top half and who was in the bottom half based on uh who's playing where and i don't see a lot of teams uh, a lot of league champs having to hit the road um that being said I'm, I'm glad you pointed it out it's a point well taken um there's there's a couple matchups that intrigue me i think i think you know i i'm, I'm down here in the in the portland vancouver area todd and I think I get two of the best matchups in this round of 32 in Kamiak from the 4A Wesco, uh, the three seed up there, who played Lake Stevens within a touchdown a week ago, coming down and playing a Skyview team that uh, <laughs> squeaked into this playoffs as a two seed out of the, the 4A GSHL because Camus beat Union on Friday and there's no Kansas City uh, playoff. So Skyview kind of gets gets a home game against a very good team in Kamiak, and we can talk more about that. I'm sure we will on our late week pod. Um, but another one down in Vancouver is Mountain View hosting Braden Smith, Jack Velling, and Seattle Prep. Like, those are two very good teams that are traveling, you know, two and a half plus hours, three plus hours uh, to come down and play round of 32 games that they could very well win. I look at North Creek and Kennedy Catholic uh, the same way. I think North Creek can win that game. Uh, so... I, I, there's a few of those where, you know, kind of road warriors uh, I, I'm rooting for. And you pointed this out when we were on the phone earlier, like even Federal Way, like as 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 good athletes that are on that team going to play GK. I don't think any of us uh, are taking a look at number one GK and saying, uh oh, upset alert in the round of 32 at the same time. That's, you know, Federal Way is not <laughs> that's, that's not a team you can look past. So um, I see a lot of potential for road teams uh, to do some damage this week. And, and that really excites me. So uh, like I said, Todd, uh, in the round of 32, those teams, the, the, what we're looking at here and these quote unquote um, matchups are not brackets. These committees might have been made up of the same people um, of the WI state seating committees that'll meet in a week. Uh, but they were not under the WI purview. So uh, these kind of all those committees are going to be getting uh, their their field of 16 teams on Sunday next week based on who wins this weekend uh, and 12 and the 2B. And, and they're going to be saying, OK, you know, how, how do we parse these things through? And I think if you look at if you look at kind of who, um, you know, start to kind of connect the dots of. Um, you know, which teams were favored, which teams, uh, you know, the, the, the ranking committee maybe didn't look very, very highly of, of who's in this bottom half. Um, I think that that might lend a little bit uh, into uh, what we might see in a week with these matchups, depending on who wins of like, we basically get a week's worth of evidence of how this, uh, of kind of the, this, the ranking behavior of this committee. So we'll see if there's any clues we can pick up on here in a couple days. So again, those matchups are on the site, scorebooklive.com slash Washington. We'll update them with times and locations and dates when those become available. They're rapidly becoming available here um, with teams announcing on social media all afternoon uh, who's going where. And I got to say, you talked to, you talked to Matt Evans over at Evans rankings uh, a, a couple weeks ago for a story on how teams are, uh, living in, and, and living in real time in the world of COVID cancellations, Todd. And Matt's been a big, big help behind the scenes 
this year and being kind of a matchmaker across this state. And I'd love to get him on the podcast at some point. He joined me for a Facebook Live when I was at week two, uh, Chiwana at Kamayakin. But um, would love to get him on and just see, uh, kind of have him talk about that experience a little bit at some point. But he's he's been a busy guy on Twitter today. He's, he's putting up these brackets in real time or these uh, matchups in real time as well. So uh, lots, lots of love out to the media brethren out there, both locally and statewide. Well, I want to make a point. Because yeah. you asked me about the 3A bracket, and I thought we were this specific to the 3A bracket. And Matt Evans, by the way, a godsend, a, a true godsend uh, in in high school athletics station in Tri-Cities. Fantastic go, guy to go deal follow, with. Go follow Evans' rankings on Twitter Absolutely. across platforms right now if, if you're not. So the 4A bracket, you asked, I, we didn't get a chance to talk about the 4A bracket. The, the one thing that struck me about the 4A bracket, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, and we won't belabor this point, but... Uh, the two matchups that you brought up, one matchup that I, I was sort of had to take a double take on. And that was Kamiak at Mountain View. I don't, I, or as Kamiak Got at Skyview. I, I don't think Steve Kaiser or Brian Thomas are, are all that thrilled to pl- about playing each other in the round of 32. I think these are two better teams than that. Uh, I know Kamiak uh, might not have the name value, but like you mentioned, they, they played Lake Stevens stuff. They didn't get a chance to play Glacier Peak because they were on COVID pause. Um, that's a, that is a that that is that is a, that it's a very intriguing game uh, this early in the postseason. And then the other one, and I'm going to ask you this question: Puyallup, Mount Sai. And this kind of reminds me a little bit of 2018 uh, when when they were sort of going through the the seating committee and the discussion. And that really good Puyallup team um, had to go to Mount Sai in the state quarterfinals, beat them. Obviously, lost to that really good Union team. Now they're now they are traveling to Mount Sai. Now you look at that. Look at this. Look at it this way: the top four teams in the 4A Kinko have home games. Okay, four of the six. Now the top two teams in the 4A SPSL have home games. So that means the four other teams have to travel. Is that fair? It speaks exactly to what I just said. I think it speaks to how this seating committee views um, the Kinko this year. And, and and do I agree with it? Not wholeheartedly, no. Yeah, I think if, if I'm looking at Puyallup and Mount Sai in 4A, uh, I'm thinking they, they fell right along that fissure line of home versus away. And if it was up to me, based on the game, I, Mount Sai's won a lot of tough games. I mean, making it through the Kinko gauntlet, I'm not going to, you know, that's, that's a very tough league year in and year out. Uh, this year is no exception. It's produced a lot of state champions. It's probably it's one of the surest bets come postseason time if you're making pickems. And that being said, this is not the Mount Sai team of 2019. This is a very good Mount Sai team, a Mount Sai team that's played a lot of good teams very close this year. Um, but I, I would have Pialup uh, hosting that game. Pialup has has not played a whole lot of close games. You know, they they lost to Sumner, they lost to GK. Those teams are very very good playoff teams. Uh, as we know, uh, but to answer your question, you know, I, I think that exactly speaks to the point I'm talking about here of we see the way this committee thinks as a whole, as a collective, not individually, as a collective. Uh, and when you see four Kinko teams uh, hosting games in the round of 32, um, I think that's, a, you know, a pretty good sign of how this committee is going to favor or is going to factor those Kinko uh, teams in to the state bracket in a week and and you know is it fair 
Sure, it's fair. I mean, I, I'm I'm not really sure how to answer it from a fairness standpoint, but um, you know, can, is it arguable? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, listen, it, 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 we we've talked about this at great length. What's the best for a league in the state? And there are other leagues in the consideration for a GSHL traditionally in both this year. But I think you and I to the phrase, especially this year. Um, my biggest gripe in both brackets is if you're not really sure, then why make why not make it equitable? Why not send the top three teams in the 4A SPSL, have them host their game, the top, the bottom three travel. And same thing with 4A Kinko. Now I don't know who that would have been. I assume that would have been Mount Si as the four seed because they lost to Woodenville over the weekend. Um, they've lost a couple games here lately. Pialp's been on a little bit of a run, beat a pretty good Bellarmine team here on Saturday. I just, I look at that and I go, and that could be the, you're right. There's not much separating Piala at Mount Si on paper. Uh, and the difference of that could be a home game. Um, and I, I don't, you know, if I were the Vikings, I wouldn't be thrilled about having to go to Mount Si. They had to do it in 2018 and now they have to go do it again. Not to take anything away from what Charlie Canoon and that team has done and what that program's accomplished. I just felt like if they were that close looking at both leagues, they're pretty equal. Just make it a little more equitable. I completely agree. So, um, Todd, you, we're going to start with you when we talk about where we were and what we saw in week nine. And we're going to start with you because you covered uh, the first big game of last week. And I got to ask you this, has, has your clothing, has your body, has your backpack, has your work laptop, has your camera, have all of that dried since the torrential downpour you faced on Thursday at Eastlake High School? Well, I took all of those items that you mentioned Thursday night. I air dried them, put them in the dryer 15 times. And Andy, I'm sad to report they're still still pretty wet. No, I mean, I, I remember getting up the next day. I mean, I drove home in, in pretty soaked jeans. The next morning, got in the car to go get coffee. And my, and my driver's seat was just, it's like somebody had poured a pitcher of, of ice water on my on my driver's seat. So it was, it was, um, in terms of bad weather football games, it would be on one hand on the short list of worst bad weather games, uh, I've ever covered in 25 years as a sports writer. It just would not let up the rain. And, uh, but we talked about that game. We, we, you know, it's interesting. It was a head versus heart pick them game. We, we both went with Bothell. We had Bothell on the site, and I, I thought that hours hours before kickoff, we just—I mean—by the time all y'all listened to that Week Nine predictions podcast, we were already wrong. So, but you know, again, it was a toss-up. No, and and honestly, Andy Eastlake was the much better team on Thursday. Um, they had the better three-headed rushing attack. They had the better quarterback. Um, they had the better defense. I mean, they—I was on their home field, yes, um, but they were—they were clearly the better team or the better equipped team to play in those conditions, whatever you want to say, not to take anything away from Bothell. They've had a good season. I'm really concerned about this Bothell team. Logan Lassio, you know, as, as was mentioned in the observations um, reporting on Thursday night, left the game in the middle of the fourth quarter, uh, had to be helped off to the locker room, did not look like he was feeling all that well. And Danny Sermon, the, the, the big arm sophomore came in and had to finish up that game. Uh, I don't think the Cougars are going to win to win too many playoff games with their starting quarterback 
on the sideline. And, and I'm, I'm hoping that Logan is, is okay. And he's, he's able to get back to practice and, and get ready for Bellarmine prep this week. Um, it will be interesting to see what Tom Boehner and that group do if he's not able to go, if they will go with, with the sophomore, or if they go, if they t- kind of take a page of what Tom Try did at Lake Stevens and maybe go to more of a wildcat formation uh, formation with one of their running backs or their receivers. Uh, it's going to be some very interesting schematics. If, uh, on the bottle side offensively, um, if Logan can't go, they have a fantastic running back in Bryce Coy. Um, the difference was on their offense, they weren't able to get him on a big play Thursday night. Eastlake did a, a really good job, um, of kind of, of, of bottling him up. He had a couple 10 yard runs, um, but just was not, did not let him break loose for one of his patented big plays. Uh, he carried the ball uh, plenty of times to do so, and that Eastlake defense was was disciplined in, in, in their gap control and and their tackling under really horrid conditions. And on the other side, I you know Eastlake, they're going to be a handful, Andy, in these in these playoffs. They got big athletes who can run. Uh, we've we've talked about Griffin Miller and uh, you know uh, some of their other guys, um, but they showed me something more on on Thursday uh, about. Uh, just the togetherness and the grit and some of their front seven guys. I mean, this is a complete football team that, that Kyle Snell has, and, and I think they're ready to make some noise. Anyone else you want to shout out from that Eastlake team? I know you you got a couple new vo- a couple more voices than uh, than you know I had maybe been used to hearing in your story. Uh, you know, Logan Eller, a linebacker, uh, Henry Isaacson, a lineman. Was there was there anybody? I mean, was this as much of a group effort as you've seen, or was there anybody that stood out? No, it was a group effort. Yeah. And Logan Eller, I, I think I have to make mention of he's, he's the one that, uh, forced the first turnover, uh, got the fumble, uh, took it back inside the red zone. Eastlake was able to go down and score, take a seven, nothing lead. And that would have held up Thursday night, Andy. And, and he is a funny guy. It's, it's funny when you start talking to people about Logan Eller, he's a first year starter. Uh, he was behind a lot of really good linebackers on that team the past two seasons. And I asked some people, who's Logan Eller? What's he been like? And I actually saw former coach Don Bartell at the game. And, and he just says, he goes, you got, you got to root for a guy like that. But I can tell you, having seen him on the scout team uh, the previous two years, he really got under the skin of our starting offense. And, and I asked Logan Eller about that after the game. And he, he just sort of laughed and he said, yeah, I, he goes, I was walking home a lot. I, I was uh, declined some, some car rides home a lot of times after practice because, you know, I, had, had kind of done my job as a as a linebacker on that scout team so uh, it's pretty funny it's a pretty it's I'm obviously a very rewarding season for him as a first year starter this wasn't just the first time he made a big play he's been doing this uh, a lot of a lot of the season for the Wolves well Eastlake a team you know we look at this time of year for teams that are playing their best football at, at the you know the right time heading into the postseason and Eastlake had a good start to the year but they're playing really really well so that's really impressive out of Kyle Snell uh, as a first year head coach replacing Don Bartell I know you uh, saw Don on the sidelines of that game on Thursday uh, so that must have been pretty cool for him to see uh, that he left things in good hands uh, and, and in a lot of the same hands that, that were there when when he was at the helm so I was, uh, as I've been for most of this season, I was down in Vancouver on Friday night. Um, I, I, I had kind of a busy Friday night, but it was a really fun Friday night. Um, I went and caught Camus and Union, who were playing for um, the 
Camus was playing for an outright 4A Greater St. Helens League title. Union was playing for uh, the chance to play in a tiebreaker, which would have been Monday, Kansas City style, modified, uh, to uh, make the postseason. And Camus, we, we talked about the last couple weeks, uh, started the season 0-4, playing a schedule uh, against four of the top seven teams in the state of Oregon. Two of them were playing on ESPN while Camus and Union were playing uh, on Friday. And so Camus got every chance to, uh, to, to get a, a tune-up and had chances to win, I think, just about all four of those games uh, at the start of the season. But, you know, that's another team, Camus... You talk about teams that are playing well at the right time, teams that win with defense and offenses that just have, you know, taken care of the ball and just move the ball really effectively. Um, and, and that's what Camus's bread and butter has been. Camus wins 17-7, um, forced three, uh, had three takeaways uh, in the first half uh, on Union and a fourth at the start of the fourth quarter, one of the nastiest hits I've seen all year. Jairus said that he felt, as he was making that hit on the safety, he said he could feel the momentum shift and just, just how big of a play that was. Um, did you feel that too? Just Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like our defense, we've leaned on our defense quite a bit this year. Um, they've, all, they, they've kept us in every single game, and, and you know, that's, that's a dangerous, dangerous side of the ball. You know, they're, they're, they're tough, they're fast, they're physical, um, and, and so they're, they're a lot of fun to watch. I, I made this comment a couple weeks ago when uh, Union and, or I'm sorry, when Camus and Skyview played uh, at Doc Harris Stadium. Camus field level, like when you're standing on the field uh, watching a high school football game, this year, just for me, from eye test of the teams I've seen play, Camus hits the hardest of any team, just noticeably. Like it jumped out to me how hard those guys hit. The crack that it makes uh, when they hit somebody, the impact, uh, the collision at the line of scrimmage. Uh, and just kind of the nasty streak that a bunch of guys play with. And, and that was on display this weekend. Jairus Phillips had a safety uh, to put Camus up, I believe it was seven in early in the fourth quarter to, uh, to set up their final field goal that put, up, uh, put them up 17-7, the winning margin. But uh, really unfortunate that sophomore quarterback Mitch Radigan uh, got hurt on that play in the end zone. Very, very unfortunate. Um, I hope he's doing okay. Um, that was genuinely one of the meanest hits I've seen. Uh, Jairus Phillips getting into the backfield uh, and sacking a quarterback for a safety. And as he said, uh, he told me after the game, he could kind of feel the momentum shift uh, Camus's way. So Camus sits here heading into the postseason at five and four. Um, John Schultz, senior running back, had his second 160-yard rushing night of, uh, of uh, in two weeks, in as many weeks. And you know, this is a team that I would not want to see uh, at any point in the postseason, not just because they won it in 2019, but because of the way they've been playing, uh, particularly these past four weeks, uh, highlight on the last two. So uh, just unfortunate, just unfortunate, Todd, I got to say, um, Skyview squeaks in and we, we already talked about them. So Skyview played an Oregon team and they were kind of waiting to see what happened. But uh, Union heading home. Uh, we, we saw Tobias Merriweather play his last snap uh, as a high school football player in the state of Washington. And uh, 
you know, I, I watched Tobias play since his freshman year uh, when he subbed in in that state championship game against Lake Stevens in 2018. And, um, you know, there was a pandemic in between that point and now, but uh, it's, it's a real bummer we don't get to see him in the playoffs, but uh, an excellent player that, that will no doubt, uh, you know, take a lot, a lot of talent and, and a lot of hard work to Notre Dame. I think we need to stop calling Camus five and four. I know that's technically their record. They're five no, and four. I mean, if if they had played four mid-level Washington teams in the preseason and were nine and zero, would our perception of them be any different? I, at this point, I don't think it would. I mean, they're a really good football team playing their best ball right now. They'll be in our top ten rankings that come out this week. Probably should have been there a couple of weeks ago. But I, I want to bring, yeah. If you'd have told me, and, and I listen, Tobias Merriweather as a ninth grader winning a state championship. Um, Lincoln Victor on that team. Uh, obviously, that was as good a team as, as, as you know as Union's ever had. Um, to 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 think that he that was his shining moment by a lot as a ninth grader. Uh, got back to the first round as a sophomore. No no postseason obviously in the spring, and then to be eliminated his senior year. It's it's a little disheartening, very disappointing. Uh, it's hard to explain. I, I, I don't, I don't know what to make of this union team, um, in close games, especially against teams that know how to play against them. Um, they didn't get the signature win. Um, they had everything in front of them to, to force that tiebreaker for Monday and get into the state tournament and didn't do it. Um, scoring seven points at home. Uh, it's gotta be a really, really disappointing time for, for Rory Rosenbach and that group. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's no question that that they knew what they were signing up for this season, competing in a league that's produced three of the last four 4A state uh, champs and competing for two seeds because that team's only a four-team league. And I think there's an argument to be made. Uh, there was at the beginning of the season, and there is now. I think Union is a better football team than than several teams that, are, that will be playing in Week 10. So... Uh, this is as much an argument for uh, you know a three three seeds out of the uh, out of the four A GSHL uh, as anything in my opinion. Uh, this this league has asserted as its this area has asserted itself in Southwest Washington as uh, as as you know not just a <laughs> one that produces a good team every couple of years. This is a this is an area that produces uh, great playoff contending teams every year. They're doing it across classifications. Ridgefield has ran the table so far, and they'll they'll be a high seed next week in the state uh, state seeding. La Center is taking care of another league cha- uh, championship, and of course up to the four A level. So it's just it, yeah, it's just it's just a bummer to see good teams sitting here left at home. It's like one of the it's it's one of the worst parts of high school football. It's like in this time of year. Uh, so, uh, but not to belabor that point, there were. There were four other ranked games, uh, matchups between ranked opponents uh, this weekend, Todd. Uh, And we'll start by taking a look at the three that took place on Friday. Gonzaga Prep uh, was playing in the de facto 3A, 4A Greater Spokane League Championship uh, against Mount Spokane. Both teams undefeated heading into the night. Gonzaga Prep, uh, I think there are, what, two or three in our 4A rankings? I think there are three. And... uh, you know, both teams were going to be the number one out of the GSL, um, you know, coming into the night. But uh, 
Mount Spokane. Uh, Gonzaga prep out last Mount Spokane takes a two touchdown lead. Uh, the Wildcats scored late and, uh, Ryan McKenna had an, another tremendous night, 168 yards and three touchdowns on the ground on, uh, I believe 37 carries. Uh, so maybe not the, the, the 200 plus, uh, outing we've seen him do against uh, lesser opponents, but you know, the Wildcats come to play. So, um, that was a game that, you know, for me, it, uh, I saw Ryan McKenna uh, balance things and Gonzaga Prep balance things out with a, a touchdown pass at the end of the first half against East Mountain Week Two. I think uh, I think the Bullpups can do that. They can kind of catch you off guard a little bit as a year three starter. I think McKenna he's not he's not your you know pro style quarterback, but you know he he can draw back a little bit enough, and, and he did that in uh, in, in connecting on the game's final touchdown pass to seal things in the fourth quarter. Uh, so what do you what do you take away from this game, Todd? Gonzaga Prep takes down Mount Spokane 28-20. We've been talking about them every every week. They're, they're just so consistent, Andy. Um, Ryan McKenna, there aren't too many players around the state that have been more consistent than him on a weekly basis. I mean, he, he puts up fantastic numbers, uh, leadership, all that stuff. I mean, he's playing like a senior all-state type level quarterback. Um, I think they're going to be really tough um, for the next five weeks. Uh, you know, um, that offensive line, that defensive front had a goal line stand in the third quarter. Um, but you brought up a good point. I mean, you have to honor the run. That's what they are. That's their, that's their bread and butter, that triple option. And he's so good. Um, getting out in open space, squeezing through tight spaces, and making big plays. So all of a sudden, you throw in a a play action pass. I mean, it's 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 going to get one on one coverage ninety percent of the time. And um, to have that element present in that offense, good lord! I mean, it's it is going. They are going to be tough to slow down in the postseason. That's um, a team that seem regularly puts up four hundred yards of offense. Um, yeah, great win by the Pole Pups. Another unbeaten streak to a league title, and uh, and now they have the crossover. And then we'll see them pretty soon here in the state playoffs. I can remember head coach Dave McKenna telling me in the preseason when we were uh, doing our research for our preseason top ten rankings and saying, "I don't know, we're pretty thin. We're pretty thin at some spots on D." And uh, sure enough. Uh, despite all of Coach McKenna's uh, wariness in the preseason, I'm sure every coach, you know, n- no, no, uh, there's no greater program or no greater critic to a program than, than its head coach deep down, I think. And, uh, you know, he saw the bad, but he also saw the good. And there's there's a lot of good to like there uh, at Gonzaga Prep. Uh, we'll see here um, as we turn the page to uh, the postseason. I expect both those teams to take care of their uh, their week 10 opponents. So. Moving on across the state, we'll jump back over uh, to the 3A PCL. Spanaway Lake outlasts Lakes by two touchdowns. Uh, Lakes coming off that close one, that really good game against uh, Lincoln, uh, a shootout, if you may. And they turn around and play a Spanaway Lake team that had been waiting for this moment, had been canceled on, had to shut down on a COVID pause of their own. And here they are uh, sitting here at the end of the regular season with you know a pretty good win that they end on uh, over a lakes team and you know Todd you can talk more about this because you you know you're a Tacoma guy you've been around this program for a really long time 
But Josh Colley at running back, uh, exploding for over 200 yards in this game. He's a sophomore, and you know, you've talked about him in past weeks, but his ability to get this type of game in a in kind of a big moment and do it before the postseason, you know, I, I think that speaks to why this team wanted to play so badly and how frustrated it was just sitting back at home going, give us a chance. And, and we talked last week because, you know, as, as well as Rainier Beach had been playing, uh, they had been sitting like at 11 in our state 3A rankings. And, and I just, I, I wouldn't bump them over Spanaway Lake who wasn't playing because it just, it wasn't fair to Spanaway Lake. Uh, I think this weekend we saw that, that Sway, uh, we believed in this team in the preseason, big time. Uh, we had them ranked in the top five, and uh, they showed this weekend, uh, heading into postseason, exactly why. Yeah, I, I covered that game last year when Josiah Wagner, they lined him up at tailback for the first time, and he's the type of athlete, once he, once he finds a seam and you and, and he sees daylight, he's gone. Now, you know, Josh Colley is a, a much different type running back. He's he's a, He's a tackle breaker. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a little more powerful. He likes the contact. I was really impressive. Um, Friday, uh, Friday night, Saturday, Friday night. Yes. Friday night. Sorry. My days are running, uh, into, uh, one another, Andy. Uh, but that, I mean, that was a game that was middle of the third quarter was, was basically even, uh, lakes had a, a, a unsportsmanlike turn uh, penalty that, that gave span and my lake a, a chance to keep the ball and, and they went down and scored and, and um, then they took care of business uh, after that. You know, Lake's still a little down with some COVID guys. They were they were down to a lot of like they were the week prior to, to against Lincoln. They were down some linemen. Uh, Michael Westbrook Jr. Uh, I don't think played in that game. I don't, I don't know why he didn't. But they had some guys that were out. Um, this team needs to get healthy. This Lakes team. That you know, uh, they get a they get a playoff home playoff game here this weekend, which is a, a big plus for them. As they try and get some of these talented pieces back in the lineup, um, we talked uh, about Devon uh, Foa Meso coming back from that knee injury. I think he'll be back for the playoffs. If he's not back this That's week, big. yeah, um, he'll give them um, something big. I think he'll probably play on, on one side. I would imagine it would pro- probably be more on defense. Um, but this is a team as the three seed out of the PCL that, that uh, can win a couple of playoff games, uh, no doubt about it. But, but Spanoy Lake deserves a lot of credit because three separate COVID pauses cannot be easy to deal with. Um, they were sort of champing at the bit to get out there and hit somebody and uh, prevailed at home to grab that number two seed. And and lo and behold, they get a rematch with uh, with Liberty here in the round of 32, a team they just played here a few weeks ago. No question. And Lakes runs into, you, know, you said they get a home game, but Monroe is their opponent who's hitting the road is playing its best football of the season. Uh, had a, a gutsy, gutsy win on Saturday, moving uh, quarterback Evan Leggett, senior, over Blake Springer, sophomore quarterback, starting under center. And, uh, and Leggett moves over to receiver, <laughs> and they uh, throw some trickery in there. Leggett had two touchdown passes out of trick plays, uh, a reverse early, and then uh, late hitting, uh, I believe it was Cole Pruitt in the end zone for 48 yards uh, to give them the winning margin over the Golden Eagles. Uh, so Monroe playing its best football of the season. Uh, I, I look at teams that are doing that as, uh, as teams to watch. And, uh, you know, I think Lakes could, could uh, you know, is Lakes is not going to be able to just walk through this round of 32. Uh, and so we'll kind of see what they're made of here this week. Uh, so I, I hope they can get healthy. I know that's something that 
all season. It's been just such a, a storybook season from an injury standpoint for uh, the Lancers. But here we are. Let's head up north, up I-5, to Lake Stevens asserting itself as the 4A Wesco juggernaut. We both predicted Glacier Peak wins narrowly in this game. Lake Stevens riding a 49-game Wesco win streak into Friday night's matchup. They leave with a win over Glacier Peak. And uh, it's, I think, was that eighth league title in a row? Uh, something like that. I think it's I think it's eight. But Lake Stevens, uh, number two in our, our 4A power rankings, uh, shows exactly why down at starting quarterback gets it done. And, hey, th- there's a pretty good player uh, on Lakes' team. He's out of the backfield. He can do whatever you ask him to. Uh, his name is Jaden Lamar, and he got the football a lot on Friday, which uh, credit to Tom Try because uh, that guy's going to be a problem in the playoffs. How about that? How about coming to – Jane Lamar on Monday at practice and go, okay, hey, we're going to line you up under center and you're just going to run. I mean, over 200 rushing yards. What a fantastic effort. A great, obviously a, a pretty cagey move by Tom trying his staff to get him under center, sort of mitigate some of the, some of the stuff with their quarterback situation. We've talked about this, you know, Grayson Urine with the, with the leg injury and he'll be out multiple weeks. Caden uh, LaPlante uh, did see some time at, at quarterback, but, in key moments, Jaden Lamar, man, he every time uh, in big games he shows up and showed up uh, big on Friday night uh, at Glacier Peak uh, at Veterans Memorial Stadium uh, to to take care of business and extend that unbelievable league winning streak to the Big Five Zero. I know all about that because I'm at the Big Five Zero. So uh, congratulations to the Vikings. Um, they get a nice home game. Um, here this week, and uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what they do moving forward. Yeah, get Emerald Ridge at home. So, uh, and, and don't look uh, away. Don't look askance of Glacier Peak uh, either. You know, we talked about Kamiak already, and it's it's a bummer that we weren't able to see Kamiak and, and Glacier Peak uh, duke it out on the field. But uh, you know, this team under Shane Keck has you know put together a nice season. And, uh, you know, River Lean at quarterback has, has really come along and, and run things for him. So keep your eye on the Grizzlies, uh, another team to watch in the postseason. I, I don't think – I think the, the Wesco is three teams deep, and we're going to find that out here in, in Week 10. So heading across the state uh, for a Saturday game, uh, reporter Jeff Morrow was at this uh, game, uh, Tri-Cities legend, former sports editor of the Tri-Cities Herald, and, and uh, you know, a very very well-respected journalist and a very, very nice guy. Um, he watched as Kennewick beat Richland – uh, Kennewick's defense swallowed up Richland's offense. Let's just be completely blunt. And wins 27-7. Uh, Kennewick uh, escapes, I think, 8-1 and one on the season with that lone loss to Kamiakin and uh, just gives us another uh, piece of evidence for why this team is a 3A state contender. We've talked about it in the past on last week's uh, Week 8 podcast. Uh, there are a lot of contenders in 3A. There are a lot of teams that are capable of winning a state title, and Kennewick proves week in and week out why it is one of them. It got wide receiver defensive back Simeon Howard back uh, in the middle of the season, and he's starting to kind of play his way into uh, kind of midseason, postseason form. 
And, you know, in addition to, I mean, Randy Affolter, I talked to him earlier today. He really likes his receivers, uh, you know, four or five deep. Um, he really likes the way those guys block. He likes, the, you know, the toughness uh, and just, just the way they kind of stick to fundamentals, uh, how reliable they are. And that's, that's a really nice compliment uh, to one of the best running backs in the state in Miles Mayofsky. Uh, and, and it sure makes life uh, a little bit easier for a first-year starting quarterback, Dayton Davis. So Kennewick beats Richland. Uh, does this tell you anything more you need to know, Todd, about uh, about the Lions and what they could do here in the postseason? I'd like to know the last time Mike Needhold and that, that offense has been limited a ton fewer than a hundred yards in a game. And that's what happened on Saturday. I mean, they didn't have the ball very long. Um, they, they really had a beat on Cameron kitchens and that passing attack. Uh, the concerning thing that came out of this game was on the Richland side. And this happened in their loss to Kamiakin in the, in the loss to Kamiakin too. They, this defense just can't get off the field against physical football teams, teams that like to run it down your throats and, and play action. And this is a concerning development. I don't think Mike's been real thrilled about the way, the, sort of the up and down nature of this team. Um, they have the crossover game this week, but in terms of what Kennewick is doing, it seems like after that loss from Kamaik and they sort of ratcheted up the physicality of this team up a, up a notch, uh, especially defensively. I really like the trajectory of this team right now, the way they're playing, the way they handled Chiawana, the way they've handled uh, Richland. Um, this is uh, in, in, in what we've talked about in, in what could be a very wide open 3A race. Kennewick should be considered very, very serious factors. No question. We're going to break all of that down in a couple days here. Uh, We like to give you a late week podcast on Wednesday or Thursday. We've been doing it twice a week across the football season. And I just want to take a quick uh, second before we get out of here to thank all of you, the listener. Uh, This podcast has reached a lot more of you this football season than it has in the past two and a half, three years we've been doing it combined. And so uh, we are, are really enjoying this ride. We enjoy what we do covering this state. And as it ramps up here into football playoffs, uh, Todd and I are, are taking a step back uh, in the madness and starting to prepare for boys and girls basketball. So a lot to look forward to this winter on this podcast, in this feed. If you're a first-time listener, uh, go ahead and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And if it's on Apple, leave us a review and a rating. Uh, Tell us what you like. uh, Tell us what you don't like. And uh, as always, you can reach Todd and I on Twitter. I'm at Andy Bueller. He's at Many Hats Millis. And we are your SB Live Washington team. So for SB Live Washington and SB Live Sports, I've been Andy Bueller. He's been Todd Millis. Hey, Todd, will you have yourself a nice, uh, nice Halloween? I'll try. We got pizza waiting and trick-or-treaters so can't get much better than that right there we go i'm going to turn this off and edit this podcast while listen uh, while watching uh harry potter and the goblet of fire so uh tis the season uh have a great one and uh we will catch you guys here in a couple days wizard of oz is better podcast is brought to you by SB Live Sports, your national hub for high school sports news and information. Subscribe for free wherever you get podcasts. If you do it on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and a review to help us best serve you, the listener. 
can find our website at scorebooklive.com slash Washington. There you'll see news, features, highlights, podcasts, and everything in the world of high school sports across this state. As always, a big shout out to our sponsor, Washington Federal. And thanks to Dan Dickow and Todd Millis for bringing the heat every week. This song you're hearing is by the band Woodrow. It's called So Far Away. It's written by James Schroeder, Carl Johnson, and my dad, Matt Bueller. I'm Andy Bueller. We'll be back next week. take a moment to tell you about something really exciting for high school sports fans across the country. SB Live Sports has launched a free iPhone and Android app featuring the latest high school sports news here in Washington and across the country. With the SB Live Sports app, it's now even easier to follow your favorite team and tailor your experience to your interests. With real-time scores and news alerts, as well as video highlights, podcasts, photo galleries, rankings, game coverage, and much more, the app delivers on the content you want in one convenient place. The SB Life Sports app features exclusive content from on-the-ground reporters across the country, and it's the number one source for Washington high school sports fans with coverage from reporters Todd Millis, myself, Andy Bueller as well as SB Live's preeminent basketball mind and recruiting expert, Dan Dickow. The SB Live Sports app is available at no charge in the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Download it today.